Thanks, worship team. Yeah, good morning. If, feel free to have a seat. <clears throat> well, my name is Adam Casel. I'm the vision and administration pastor here on staff. Uh, if if you are wanting to get some information about what's going on, just a reminder, we have posters out in the lobby. You can uh, scan those with your uh your camera, your phone's camera will take you to various uh, websites to get information uh, about what's going on at, at the church. So to start off, I got a couple of questions just for, just for fun. Straw poll, whose brackets are still intact? Any, nobody. All right. Whose brackets are busted? Who, okay, who's wondering what are, what's a bracket? Thanks for your honesty. Yeah, the Lord, the Lord bless your, your honesty there. Hey, uh, Purdue fans, so sorry. So sorry about that loss. IU fans, hey, you got to respect the grieving. Give them a week, then you can rub it in. All right, but respect, respect the time of grief. All right, a little more serious question. I want you to think about, I'll, I'll give you a moment to think about. Who is, who's the first person that comes to mind when you think of a generous person? For me, it was a guy named Steve. Now, Steve um, was the dad of one of my good friends in the first half of high school named, named Justin. Justin and I were also soccer teammates. Uh, I don't know why he was the one that came to mind because uh, I probably haven't thought about him for, for decades. But I remember a time uh, we were at a soccer tournament. Steve took a few of us out to breakfast and uh, and we're sitting there looking at the menu, and Steve goes, guys, order whatever you want. Don't worry about the price. Get whatever you want. And I appreciated it at that time. Now looking back, I was like, Steve took a huge risk. There were three teenage guys sitting at the table. He's saying, eat as much as you want. Don't worry about, about the cost. Now, Justin and I went uh, separate ways about halfway through high school. But even after that, Steve still remained generous to me uh, in various ways ways. Another question I want you to think about, the, the, the person that came to mind, but also just other generous people, what's a, a common quality that generous people share? Think about that for a moment. A, a common quality or, or qualities that generous people have in common. One of those qualities, I would argue, is they probably all have a spirit of abundance. They are people that they know or they believe there is more than enough. Right? Steve knew there was no way three teenage guys could bankrupt him over breakfast. Right? So people who have a spirit of abundance, they believe, it, even if I give this money or this resource that's going to stretch me for a bit. God is going to provide. We currently are in a season of Lent, and it may seem a bit incongruous to talk about abundance during a season that's often marked by fasting. When we think about fasting, uh, we, we probably associate that a lot of times with lack. We think about what we had to give up during this, this season, for those of us who, who make that a part of our practice. And we're going to look at this idea of abundance from what is arguably the most famous 
psalm in the Bible? Oh, gave it away. Psalm 23. What do we most commonly associate with this psalm? Shepherd, okay. I was going to say funerals, right? Even if a person doesn't, doesn't know the Bible, has never read it, they, they probably, this along with the Lord's Prayer, are probably two of the passages that they've, they've heard. And it's interesting because this psalm is not about grief. It's actually about abundance. Psalm 23 is not just for funerals anymore. I would argue this is a passage of Scripture that deserves regular reading and meditation, thinking about over and over and over what is being said in this passage. Now, I'm going to read, the translation I'm going to read this morning is, um, it's from the First Testament. It's by an Old Testament uh, scholar named John Golden Gay. It's going to sound a little bit differently, but, but that's intentional because I want us to sort of slow down a little bit. Notice what catches us as he's uh, translated this famous, popular psalm. I think it's actually a good practice to read from different translations to give some insight in, in the original languages, the, the Hebrew of the Old Testament and the Greek of the New Testament, uh, to know what's going on. And, and sometimes we get so familiar we assume what's being said. So uh, if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to Psalm 23. Whether you, uh, We also have uh, plenty of Bibles up front on the subwoofer if you want to come grab one of those. So Psalm 23, a composition, David's. My shepherd being Yahweh, I don't lack. He enables me to lie down in grassy pastures. He leads me to settled water. He turns, back, turns my life back. He guides me in faithful tracks for the sake of his name. Even when I walk in a deathly dark ravine, I am not afraid of bad fortune because you are with me. Your club and your cane they comfort me. You spread a table before me in front of my adversaries. You've enriched my head with oil. My cup fills me up. Yes, goodness and commitment pursue me all the days of my life. I shall go back to Yahweh's house for long days. Let's pray. Lord, we agree with this psalm that you are our shepherd and you lead us and guide us in the ways that we need to go that are best for us. Lord, you know each one of us intimately. You know where we are and where we need to go and what we need. And so I ask that you would make that known to us this morning and and address those areas of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, what I hope we take away is the abundant shepherd can only lead us into abundant life. So again, the abundant shepherd can only lead us into abundant life. This psalm shows who God is through the lens of a shepherd. 
And this psalm also deals with almost every facet of life in almost only six verses. Now, I'm not going to teach from either of these books, but I do want to mention a couple of books that I would highly recommend about, um, about this psalm that's been very uh, insightful for me. The first, if you have a child in children's ministry or you've talked to Heather Jesse in the last year, you've heard about this book. It's by Philip Keller. It's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. Uh, great insight into being a shepherd and, and what sheep are like. Also, probably no surprise for those of you who know me, Dallas Willard uh, has, has a book, uh, Life Without Lack. It was actually a, a seminar that he gave um, that got transcribed into a book. But like I said, I'm not teaching either of those, but if you want uh, some resources to look at to understand this psalm better, I would highly encourage you to check out one or both of these books. So again, we're going to look at this morning, the abundant shepherd can only lead us into abundant life. Again, the psalm starts out, my shepherd being Yahweh, I don't lack. He enables me to lie down in grassy pastures. He leads me to settled water. He turns my life back. He guides me in the faithful tracks for the sake of his name. I don't know about you, but for a long time, until I, uh, until I read this book by Philip Keller, I, I would romanticize this psalm. This is the picture I had. It was serene. It's sunny out, 75 degrees. There's a gentle breeze. Green grass, as far as the eye can see. There's a, a body of water that's clear and still. And you can even hear a choir of angels in the background. But if the Lord's our shepherd, that means we're sheep. Record scratch. I've got some disappointing news. Sheep are not noble creatures. They're finicky. They will only lay down if they know they're in perfect peace. And one restless sheep can disturb the whole herd. They won't drink from moving water. They won't, if, if a shepherd leads a, a sheep to, to a stream, they're not going to drink from it. It's got to be perfectly still. Sheep, apart from rams, are pretty defenseless, but they are not gentle. I've seen a couple of reels where there's a shepherd or a farmhand, one with this farmhand filling up a trough with feed, and out of nowhere, a sheep comes in and headbutts him from behind, sends him flying. There's another that I think it's in Europe, a shepherd is leading about 12 to 15 sheep across the, the street. The, uh, the ram comes flying in out of nowhere, headbutts him from behind, sends him flying. And as he's kind of gathering himself, the ram headbutts him two more times, sitting there, trying to, trying to get up. Sheep can be nasty. Did you know that humans can be too? Even Christians. Sheep can be stubborn. Did you know that humans can be too? Even Christians. This is who the Lord has to work with. This psalm does not elevate sheep. It elevates the shepherd. Again, the first line of the psalm, my shepherd being Yahweh, I don't lack. 
I talked about how this is, uh, this is a psalm about an abundant shepherd leading us to abundant life. Abundance is a mindset. It's not a measurement. You can't think if I have X amount of dollars, I can be, I'm, I'm living the abundant life. Because there are millionaires who fret over spending a dime because they fear that it could be gone. There are people who are, are poor or stable financially. They live in abundance. They, whatever comes in, they see as being able to go out and to, to benefit others. Friends, scarcity has no place for the people of God. We have an abundant shepherd who leads us and is near to us at all times. I would argue scarcity is actually closely connected to pride. Because if God calls us to be generous and we're going to hold tightly, then we're living in a place of thinking we know better than God. And that's ultimately what pride is. We all have an area in our lives where scarcity is louder than abundance. Maybe it's around our finances. Maybe it's around our time, our energy, or our capacity. We are limited because we're finite, but that doesn't mean we have to be in a place of scarcity. And so those areas where we feel scarcity, we feel like there's not enough to give to anybody else, or I should say not enough for ourselves, let alone to give to anybody else, is an opportunity to, to pray and say, Lord, I feel like I'm lacking, but you say I don't lack anything. What am I not seeing? What do I need to see? What would look differently if we believed we didn't lack anything. Other translations put this positively. They'll say, I have all that I need. This scarcity can make us restless, which leads to the next line of the poem. He enables me to lie down in grassy pastures. He leads me to settled water. He turns my life back. He guides me in faithful tracks for the sake of of his name. Some translations have, instead of enables me, he makes me lie down. The times that I'm restless, that's when I find myself getting in trouble. When I'm allowing anxiety and uncertainty to be louder than the fact that the, the shepherd is near, that's when I try to figure out how do I get, make the situation better. Another reel that I've seen involving sheep, who knew sheep were so popular on Instagram, there's a shepherd, starts, or a sheep, it's stuck in this crevice. You don't know how, how deep the crevice is, but all you see is the, the hind end of this sheep. And the shepherd reaches, grabs both of its legs and pulls it out, and it stands there for a second like nothing happened. It starts running down the path, and, and then it goes to jump, over this crevice, again, that the average adult could easily step over. It jumps too early and lands in the crevice again, just its hind feet sticking out. You ever do that? Get in a situation, the Lord gets you out, and you get yourself right back into it. 
that's a result often of our restlessness. The other week in staff meeting, uh, we were actually going through this psalm and and talking about it. And uh, Heather reminded us that the shepherd will oftentimes put his knee in the back of of a sheep's neck to make it lie down. It doesn't hurt the sheep. It's actually got a love. Has the Lord ever made you lie down? When we're in a place of abundance, it's that it's the reminder, you and I don't make the world go round. We can rest. He makes us lie down. And he does so in grassy pastures, leading us to, to settled water. Because he knows what's going to benefit us and keep us healthy. A good shepherd keeps a sheep from poisonous fo- foliage. Sheep are indiscriminate. They will eat anything that's green. They don't know what's good for them and and what's not. So a a good shepherd, uh, and they'll also just eat the grass bare, just turn it into a a dirt path uh, that nothing will grow. So a good shepherd knows what's actually healthy for the sheep and knows when to move them along so they don't ruin where they are. So the good shepherd turns our life back. He restores our soul by leading us to a place that's going to give us sustenance. It also says that he guides us in faithful tracks for the sake of his name. And this is where we can really be challenged to trust the Lord. As we're being led, we could look around and say, there's grass, there's grass, there's grass, and he's not letting us stop. He's keep, he keeps moving us along. Or some sheep can be, like they're in the, the sheep pen, green grass all over, and they hang out by the fence. They always want, they're looking for ways to get out. They want what's on the other side of the fence. My friend Justin, who I mentioned at the beginning, he was one of those. His parents didn't hold anything back except really that which would be harmful yet he wanted what was off limits to him. For many of us, the grass is greener on the other side. And it's real easy to miss the abundant provision we have if we focus on what we don't have. How often do we look around at the things we we want or think that we need instead of focusing on what God has ultimately provided for us. So this lying down, the still water, the green pastures, the faithful tracks are the Lord's abundant provision for us. Next, David goes on, he says, Even when I walk in a deathly dark ravine, I'm not afraid of bad fortune, because you're with me. Your club and your cane, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of my adversaries. You've enriched my head with oil. My cup fills me up. Now notice, the first first couple of verses, David is talking about God. right? The Lord is my shepherd. He, He leads me. He guides me. Now, as he's in this deathly dark ravine, he's got to talk to God.
right? Because when we're in these trials, it's not just enough to talk about God. We need to know God is with us. We, it's time that we talk to God. A few years ago, um, one of our sons was in a time where he wanted to go to sleep in our bed. He wasn't able to go to sleep by himself. And so I'm the one who goes to bed early in our family. Um, so he would go to bed when I, when I did. And the first night, you know, I, I like it pitch black. He goes, Dad, can we turn on a light? And me being so rich in compassion, I said, no. No, we don't need to. I'm with you. We're okay. You're okay. I'm, I'm right by you. This kind of went back and forth for a little bit. And then finally he goes, Dad, can you hold my hand? Can you face me? I said, yeah, I can do that. So for a few nights while he needed to go to sleep with us, we'd fall asleep. Though he couldn't see me, we were face to face holding hands. And that's the Lord is with us in the midst of these deathly dark ravines. The Lord's face is turned toward us. David says the shepherd has a club and a cane with him. The club protects us from enemies. The cane, when we go astray or are in a place like the one sheep that I mentioned in a crevice, can pull us out of those difficult situations. Not only is the shepherd well-armed to protect us, he also sets a table before us in the presence of our adversaries or enemies. He, he is able to give us peace in the midst of conflict. When we're in, in intense conflict, probably one of the last things we want to do is eat. And if we do, it's not nourishing, right? It's, it's very unsettled because this conflict is constantly in the back of our minds. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to Sean Bull's podcast, and he told this story that I think is just such a perfect illustration of what it looks like to eat in front of our enemies. This happened actually February 12th. There was a church in Ferguson, Missouri, that is pastored by a name, man named Marquelo Futrell. And uh, Pastor Futrell is a former police officer, which is pertinent in this story. Um, during their service, Pastor Futrell was, was preaching, and he said the hairs on the back of his neck started standing up. He knew something wasn't right. And he could look in the back, and he saw four masked men uh, talking to, I think, the, the children's director. And because he was a police officer, and he knew this wasn't uh, a good thing, he, looked, he said he looked at their waistband, he saw they, ha they were armed. And for some reason, the, the four men came, and they sat in the back of the sanctuary, and he didn't draw um, attention to what he thought these men were up to, but he just starts incorporating in the middle of his message how he used to be a police officer and how he notices these guys. And he had the person who was doing the live stream turn the camera so it's on, on these four men. They get pictures of their face because fortunately they, they took their masks off. But he had uh, his deacons surround these men and lay hands and he just prayed over them and blessed them. They sat at the table that, in, the, in the presence of their enemies. And fortunately, the men left without incident. 
being able to eat in the presence of our enemies becomes a strong witness that can actually turn our enemies into our brothers and sisters. As we maintain presence in front of them, pointing to the good shepherd, they start to look at the good shepherd as well. The last part that David mentions is how oil is poured on his head, and not just a little bit. It's enough so that his cup overflows. Oil, uh, at that time, and, and I think still in, in that part of the world, has multiple benefits. It soothes cracked, dry skin. It has medicinal purposes. Also, for sheep, it keeps away parasites and bugs because they just slide right off. So, again, this picture of abundance continues that we're able to be in a place of eating in front of our enemies and that the Lord puts this salve on us. Again, as I said, it's not just a little bit, not just enough, but so much that it fills our cup to overflowing. The psalm concludes with the line, Yes, goodness and commitment pursue me all the days of my life. I shall go back to Yahweh's house for long days. The Christian Standard Bible translates it as only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as, as long as I live. As I said the other, the other day in staff meeting, we were going through this psalm, and I noticed something I hadn't noticed before, the verb tenses. So up to this point, up to this point, everything is in the present or a hypothetical situation. But then David moves to the future. He says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. I would encourage you, start your day with that verse. Just say that. One of the first things you say in the morning, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Try that for a week. See if you don't notice the goodness and God's faithful love around you. And once you've made it a week, keep going. Don't break the streak. It starts raising our awareness of God's goodness and his faithfulness to us to a conscious level. That word pursue is a strong word. Often it's about people being persecuted, they're, they're being hunted down. But here, David's saying God's goodness and faithful love is going to be in hot pursuit after me. It's with me wherever I go. And I think, actually, as we walk with the good shepherd, what starts staying in, in our wake is God's goodness and faithful love, that that stays with people that we interact with, and it resonates with them. That's why I think oftentimes time with good friends, uh, we leave filled up even after the time together is over because God's goodness and faithful love has stayed behind. Paul writes to the Philippians uh, in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. He says, I don't say this, out of need, talking about um, 
an opportunity to support him financially. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I never noticed there, Paul says he's learned to be content in abundance. I often think I need to learn contentment when I feel like I have need. Paul's saying, I have more than enough. I, I learned to be content in the midst of those times. And I think some of us have an invitation to learn to be content with abundance. We prefer the lack. We prefer times of need for some, for some reason. I think we may push abundance away because it scares us. Yet Paul learned the, the importance of being content even in the midst of those times. It can be easy for us to, to see when things aren't going well. And I'm not saying we bury our head in the sand or become Pollyanna and think everything's amazing. But what if we started by speaking this truth over ourselves that only goodness and faithful love will pursue me? That's all that's around me. At the beginning of the service, I read from John 10, and that's a, a, a chapter where Jesus talks a lot about himself as the good shepherd. We see this picture of the Lord being our shepherd, that it gets its fulfillment in Jesus as the good shepherd. And in verse 10, Jesus says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus is emphasizing that he has come uh, to bring abundance. It's that same word that Paul uses in Philippians. I've got a friend I meet with uh, named Jimmy, and Jimmy and I were talking about this psalm and Jesus as the good shepherd. And uh, Jimmy used to be on staff with um, InterVarsity. And when he would meet with college students, he would have a time of, of looking at Psalm 23 and then uh, talking about Jesus as the good shepherd. And I thought this was a great question. Right? To have a student examine his own life and ask, in what ways am I not trusting Jesus as my shepherd? And so I've got some, some questions. They'll be uh, in, in the notes on the website. They'll be up here um, if you want to take a picture of those. Now, these are very practical questions to honestly ask ourselves for almost some self-assessment. Ask the Holy Spirit to search us and to guide us of the, in the areas of where we're not really trusting the Lord as our shepherd. Because there is no problem that Jesus as our shepherd cannot handle. There's not a single problem any of us are facing or will face that Jesus is the good shepherd cannot handle. So we looked at kind of three sections of this psalm. The first, I lack nothing. So to ask ourselves, if I'm with Jesus, 
Do I have all I need? And what do I need that he cannot provide? The section about the green pastures and still waters. Do I trust him for the nourishment I need? When I'm tired and weary, do I turn to Jesus to restore me? Or am I going to my own sources of pseudo-restoration? When I'm in the death-dark valley and surrounded by enemies, do I look to Jesus? Can I see his light in the darkness? Then in the section, the, the last verse, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. Am I actively trusting God's goodness and faithful love to surround me? Do I declare this over myself or do I trust more that I'm surrounded by my enemies? So as I said at the beginning, Lent is a time of giving up, not because there isn't enough or there might not be enough, but actually it helps us to see the abundance we do have. That if we get in the practice of laying something down, we get to see more of the abundance that is ours in Jesus. And so for us, some of us this morning, is the invitation that it's actually time to lay down scarcity. Where are the areas of our lives that we're more focused on what we don't have or, or the thought that we don't have enough? So there's the invitation to lay down scarcity. So as I said at the beginning, the abundant shepherd can only lead us into abundant life. And our life with Jesus is one of abundance. We lack nothing. We have all that we need. Every facet of life is, a, is addressed by our abundant shepherd, Jesus. And Lent is a season of preparing us to see the greatness of what Jesus did on our behalf to bring us to this place. So, Amy, if you could come up. Uh, any of our ministry team members, if you could uh, come forward. Like we do every week, we have a, a time uh, of ministry time to pray for and with one another. And so, a couple of opportunities. One is to turn from scarcity to think about where are the areas in my life am I focused more on what I don't have or feel like I don't have enough and turn from that and trusting God's abundance for us. Before the, the service, Heather shared with me that the reminder, nothing is being withheld from us. The Lord gave up his son on our behalf, he's not going to withhold anything else that we need. So 
So if there's another area where it, you need to see the Lord's provision, I invite you to, to come forward or to turn and pray with a friend um, who's here with you or who brought you here this morning. If you have other, other needs, uh, emotional, physical, spiritual, um, these teams would love to, to pray with you as well. So we'll give you a moment if you want to just stay. If you need to go pick up your kids from children's ministry, you're, you're free to do so. But invite you to, if you're able, stay and spend time with the Lord asking these, these questions. We have any other prayer team folks if you wouldn't mind coming forward to be available to pray and feel free to hang out for a bit our prayer teams will be here for a while Amy will continue praying um, if you need to go go knowing that the Lord loves you keeps you he makes his face shine on you he's gracious to you and he gives you rest.